What a great way to go into to preaching. Though my skins, sins were scarlet, you've made them white as snow. And aren't we thankful for that this morning? It's good to see, not only is this Pastor Kim's last week, it's Dave and Linda's last week with us, and they're moving to sunny Florida, and we're real jealous. Uh, but uh, uh, we're going to miss you guys, love you guys, and praying God's blessing on you as you uh, continue. And God seemed to guide them along the way, and we're thankful for that. But we will miss you guys, and uh, praying for you as you uh, head down there further south. And I told them to make sure you have extra rooms because you're going to get a lot of visits from people in Fort Myers. Uh, but we'll be praying for you. You know, self-perception is one of those real interesting things. I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about these kind of things. I, I don't know, it's just a fascinating topic to me, this, the ideal how people see themselves. And, and it, you know, it's all, it's all wrapped up in how they see themselves and how they think other people see them and, and how they project themselves. You know, the psychology of it is a fascinating thing. I, you, know, I, uh, you know, psychology in and of itself is, is a fascinating thing. And in some respects, maybe psychology is... It misses the point, but I think in some respects, I think psychology confirms how God has made us. And so it's always interesting how people see themselves and how we believe others perceive us and how we project ourselves. Sometimes we are shaped, as a matter of fact, most of us have been shaped by others, Others' self-perceptions, others', others uh, values, others' priorities has played a part in the shaping of our self-identity. I was always amazed, and, and I've shared it in the past, uh, we had a lot of Social Security clients when we practiced law, or my, my boss did, and so I did a lot of their appeals when, if she would happen to lose. And, and so I'd get to read the transcripts and, and the psychologist reports. And, and I was always amazed how people my age and older were so drastically shaped by what a parent or a grandparent or an aunt and uncle said to them when they were 15, 16 years old. And, and, and as a younger guy, I thought, how can that be that in your mid-50s or you're nearly 60 years old, you're still shaped by what a parent or grandparent said those many years ago, but then I look at myself now, and, and I'm pushing, I am 55, soon to be 56, and, and I realize that I have been shaped profoundly by those who went before, and, and I'm thankful that that shaping was positive and not negative, uh, that, that people have spoke positive things into my life, into my identity, and it's been helpful even as I'm 55 years old. We, we are shaped by our past. You have been shaped by your past. You know, even as a pastor, I'll come in here on a, a Sunday morning and I'll be prayed up and excited about a sermon and, you know, I'll be all prepared and, 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 and I'll begin to preach it and David Smith will yawn. Yeah. No, we, we, we watch other people and their reactions, and it affects us. And the truth is, David's really interested in the sermon, aren't you, David? Yeah. He just had a little baby that kept him up late into the night. You know, all, all sorts of things happen that affect people. And, and, and oftentimes, I, I, I think that people are shaped by how they believe other people perceive them. And, and the truth... Here's the sad truth. I don't know if this will make it any easier or not for you. Most time, people aren't thinking that much about us. <laughs> that should allow us to shape our own self-perception. 
but it shapes how we think about ourselves. And, and this morning we're going to talk about something that's pretty positive, how God sees you <laughs> and how God sees me. The the most important thing, can we agree that the most important thing to consider and see is how God sees us? Amen? Amen? And so it could very well be that, that you have come from a circumstance where parents or grandparents or teachers or people who were significant in your life has spoke not positive things but negative things into your life. But, but I think when we see how God sees us, that begins to overweigh and, and overcome some of the negative things that have happened in our life. All of us have had negative experiences. Amen? Amen. But what trumps it all What rises above it all is how God sees us. And I want you to know that God sees great potential in people. And not just people, God sees great potential in you and me. That that when he looks at us, he sees something special and significant. Now, now I believe this is true for both the pre-believer, those who've accepted Jesus, and those who are believers. Scripture, as far as believers are, you know, that the Scripture's overwhelming. In Ephesians 2.10, for we are Christ, we are God's workmanship. And I think other translations say masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want you to look at your neighbor now and call them a masterpiece. Tell them, you are a masterpiece. Yeah. You should be hanging in a museum somewhere. (laughs) 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. (laughs) Forget Prince William. (laughs) You guys are princes and princesses and kings and kings in the kingdom of God. That is how your heavenly father sees you if you have accepted Jesus as your savior. That's a pretty good perception, right? (laughs) But I think even before we accept him as our savior, God sees us differently. And, And... You know, even in this room today, I mean, this is a Sunday morning. It's an 8.30 service, so that means you got up by 8.15 to get here. (laughs) You're here early. So, you know, I I think you're real serious, but but it's possible even in this room that, that you've not accepted this great gift of salvation. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, You see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is how God sees us. He sees us as those who belong to him, who have accepted his grace and his mercy and his salvation as masterpieces. 
a royal nation. He, he sees us before we accept him as someone worthy of death, someone of worthy of giving his son to die for. God sees potential and people. He sees potential in you. And, and, and I want to read another story, and, and we've used this story in the past. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible found in Luke 19 that, that illustrates this, the potential that Jesus saw in someone. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've ever defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Truly, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. What an awesome story. Who was singing the song in their head when I read the story, right? The little song we all learned when we were in children's church in Sunday school. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a... Yeah, you guys are good. Uh... How much of scripture have we learned from Sunday school? You know, Jericho was on an important trade route. This was a significant route that would have included a lot of custom tax. And so the chief tax collector in this area would have been an important Roman position. This would have been a very significant position, and it would have been a position that was either purchased think bribery, someone bribed somebody, or it would have been a position that was received because he had the right connections. This was not like Matthew in a, a tax booth. This was a chief tax collector, which meant that he had many people, many tax collectors working under him. And so he would have been very wealthy, and in the, in the scripture, he says, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay them back four times as much. Guess what? He probably had to pay some people back if he kept his word. The, the truth is that, that, that some of the wealth that these tax collectors would have received was ill-gotten, was, was from misuse. And, and so the Jews hated tax collectors. We all just love tax collectors, Right? You know, our tax collectors don't defraud us. These tax collectors would, and, and they would basically steal from people they grew up with. They, they were in many ways turncoats. Anybody know who Benedict Arnold was? Yeah. Benedict Arnold is a name synonymous with traitor. Benedict Arnold was, was the guy who, who, who was a traitor with the British during the American Revolution. This was a turncoat. This was a Benedict Arnold. 
Arnold. He, he associated with Romans. He cheated people. He was a traitor. And he lived a better life than any of his friends. He, he lived in a better house. He ate better food. He had better clothes. He took better vacations. He was not a friend to common people. And the interesting thing is, although he's a person of influence, this influence did not grant him or allow him greater access to Jesus. You know, this is an influential guy in the town, but you can tell how disliked he is. You know, can you see the image? The people standing at the street and Zacchaeus scurrying behind him, trying to get through and, and perhaps shoulders get a little tighter. Not going to let him in. Not going to let him by. You know, that's Zacchaeus. Move over a little bit. So Zacchaeus has to run down and find a tree. What kind of tree? Okay, you guys know the song, right? So he could see Jesus. Yeah, I wonder how Zacchaeus heard about Jesus. You know, I wonder if it was from one of those Matthew parties. You know, after Matthew gets saved, he, he has a party and all of his buddies, all of these tax collecting buddies gather around Jesus. Do you think maybe he had heard through the grapevine of this guy who was a friend of sinners? This guy who was willing to give an audience to a tax collector? I wonder how Jesus knew about Zacchaeus. See, see I think we, we, we put into Jesus, and, and I do believe Jesus had Holy Spirit-given discernment. That, that Jesus knew things, the Holy Spirit worked and spoke to Jesus, but I also believe Jesus listened and observed. See, Dr. Purdue out there, I think in your, your revival, you said, Jesus is God's perfect man and man's perfect God. I, th I think that's how you said it. God's perfect man. Well, what's that mean? Women, if you're married, does a perfect man listen? <laughs> right? Jesus listened and was aware. You know, Jesus was not so self-absorbed that he couldn't see and hear people. And Paul Tillich says, listening is the first act of love. And I believe Jesus listened. You know, did he have greater discernment? Yeah, but I also believe he had greater listening. And I believe we're called, if we're gonna be followers of Jesus, we have to listen better and more. I don't believe God will tell us anything with his spirit that we should be able to hear with our ears. I don't. Uh, let me give you an example. Husbands, and usually, let, let's be honest, men are typically worse listeners than women. All the women said, Amen. Praise the Lord, you should be running. I mean, I understand. Yesterday, we were, we were at Fall Fun Fest, and Terry was trying to get a hold of me. She was chasing me all over the building, yelling my name as I just walked. I couldn't hear her. You know, it's, I told her what she looked like a fan running. After a while, you stop hearing. 
That's a joke. (laughs) If your spouse needs a shoulder to cry on, is going through something, and they're speaking these things and saying these things, and we should hear them with our ears, I don't believe the Holy Spirit's going to give you special discernment if you haven't taken the time to listen. Jesus listened. God's not going to speak through a burning bush when it's in his word and it's spoken by others. He expects us to do our part. In the spring, we went down to, Spencer had a, a basketball tournament in, in um, Cincinnati, and so I was riding with Dylan and Dana, and it's, uh, they, they weren't married yet, but you know, they were dating. And so we were in Dana's car, and we, we got all the way from Marysville to Westchester, to Tylersville Road on 75, and we had to stop and get money out. And we stopped in the ATM, and I, I was in the backseat, so I got out of the car. And as I get out of the car, I hear, meow. I'm thinking, what in the world was that? Hear it again. So we open, <laughs> with a little bit of fear, we open the trunk, and there's nothing there, but still, meow. So we open the hood of the car, with a little bit of fear, not knowing what we're going to find. And sure enough, bundled in the hood of that car, making the drive from Marysville to Cincinnati, was a kitten. Deep down in the engine, we couldn't tell if it was in the, you know, in something or, you know, so we, I don't know, animals like that kind of freak me out. Maybe you guys would have just reached in and grabbed it, but it didn't happen, any of that. So, so we were trying to entice it out. And, and finally, I went to a pet store and they were going to entice it out because I knew once I got it out, what was I going to do with it, right? So they were going to entice it out and have animal control come and get it. By the time I got out, the cat had ran off, okay? And praise the Lord. Um, that. <laughs> What's the point? The point is, every once in a while, we've got to shut the engine down and listen. If you really want to hear, if you're really concerned about listening, there's times we need to stop and listen. That's the importance of God building Sabbath into the life of, their, of his people. If we're too busy to listen to others and to God, we're too busy. And I got to tell you, we we live in an age that's too busy. Amen? How many of you have retired? Jim, I think you just said this Wednesday night. How many of you have retired and thought, how in the world did I have time to work? We're too busy. And folks, we need to take time to stop. And I guess the question is, could there be a Zacchaeus in your life God wants you to engage? (laughs) Is there somebody on the peripheral of your life somewhere that, that God is just waiting for you to stop and listen so that you can engage him and he can engage them through you? Jesus saw Zacchaeus different. Where others saw failure, Jesus saw potential. He saw who Zacchaeus could be, and he was more than his failures. He was more than his past. He was more than his reputation. All the things that everyone else thought about him, Jesus saw something more. Zacchaeus says, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. History tells us that, that, and now I'm going to give you 
If you're younger than probably 40 years old, you don't know what I'm talking about. Now I'm gonna give you the rest of the story. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? I'm just curious. How many of you think, what in the world is he talking about? Yeah, it's Paul Harvey, okay? Look him up on Wikipedia. Uh, you'll find out all about him. Zacchaeus becomes the bishop of Caesarea. So, so after this conversion, this isn't the end of his story. He becomes this significant leader in the early church. Here's the good news. Jesus sees our potential, not simply our failures. And, and all of us have come into this room with a past, and, 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 and most of us, all of us, everyone in this room has come into this place with sins and failures and reputation and what others say about you. Jesus sees beyond that. All heads bow just for a second. You know, I, maybe you've come in with sin and you've not accepted the friendship that Jesus offers. And I, and I just want to give you an opportunity by, by uplifted hand to say, Pastor, I'm hearing you and the Spirit's speaking to me that my past is forgiven and, and I need to lift my hand today and acknowledge and accept that forgiveness. If, if you're feeling that, would you just lift your hand real quick and I'm going to pray for you. I see that hand. You can put it down. I see that hand. You can put it down. Let's pray. Lord, right now we're thankful that you see us different than other people. We're more than a reputation. We're more than a past. And so, Lord, we, um, we invite you to be Lord of our life, <laughs> to not only to, to, to look past our failures and our past, but accept the future that you have for us. It's bright. It's positive. It's something that's a masterpiece in your sight. And so we yield ourselves fully to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You lift your hand, see someone and talk to them. You know, God has something in mind for you. Now we've been working through this series. I believe with every, every good news you get, every, every great thing that God does, there's an expectation on his people. See, God wants to be wrapped in our flesh. We're not fully God, but we can be full of God. We're meant to be the image of God in a broken and lost world. And so the question is, are you willing to allow God to wrap himself in your flesh? To, to love like Jesus? And so the question becomes, how do you see people? We live in an awful age. Amen? We live in an age of labels. And I gotta tell you, whether you voted Republican or Democrat, it's present on both sides. And the church has to live above that. You can be mad at me all you want, but folks, the church is above politics. And this age of finger pointing and labeling and ugliness has to be beyond the bride of Jesus Christ. If we cannot model something better, we're in trouble. We live in the age of labels. And, and the question is, do, do you see only failures? You focus on the past? Or do you see the potential in Christ 
Are you present? (laughs) Do you listen? Are you shutting the motor of your life down long enough to hear? Jesus sees potential, do we? Here's another one. Do you give second chances? God calls us to forgive because he first forgave us. Um, Who's the Zacchaeus in your life? Who has felled you? Anybody ever been felled before? All of us have. Who's the person that's felled you? And this is going to be hard that you need to give a second chance. We don't write people off because God didn't write us off. And so as Jesus lives in us, he can empower us to see potential in people that have hurt us and been unfair in the past. Zacchaeus was a scoundrel. Anybody know what a scoundrel is? (laughs) Don't look at your neighbor and point. Zacchaeus was a lowlife. He was a thief. And Jesus saw something more. Who seems to be on the inside, on the outside to be far from God, but inside is seeking. It's been, I don't know, close to 20 years ago, my father-in-law got saved. And it was an interesting thing because, you know, we knew, Jim knew he needed to be saved. We knew he needed to be saved. And we were working. Every time we'd have a revival, we'd invite Jim to revival and the hope. Anytime we get him to camp meeting, we'd invite him to camp meeting to hope that he gets saved. And, you know, we, you know, we just, just, everything we could do to, to find a way for him to find relationship with Jesus. And, and, and he'd go to these sermons and, you know, an evangelist like Dr. Purdue would preach this message. It was great. And we're sitting there thinking, man, this has to be the time. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> and he wouldn't budge. Finally got saved and I said, Jim, you know, there were times that it was, you could just feel God was speaking to you. And it just seemed like nothing. He said, Paul, you had no idea what was going on in the inside. (laughs) See, when we listen, when we pay attention, there's some Zacchaeuses around us that are this close to the kingdom. There's some Zacchaeuses in trees all around you that are this close to the kingdom. They're checking out spiritual things on the sly. They're they're climbing trees to observe you and to see what this Jesus means to you if it's real. They may be living next to you. They're watching you load up your car on Sunday morning and they're wondering why you never invite them to church. (laughs) Boy, that's, that's, that's like a nasty thing for a pastor to do, isn't it? I just laid a lot of guilt on you guys. But it's true. Who in your life is just watching you and waiting for you to invite them to join you? You know what's fascinating about this story? And, and, and you know, there, there's, 
The absence of something in a scripture doesn't necessarily mean that, that something didn't happen. In other words, maybe Jesus preached, preached a sermon to Zacchaeus. But in the account, the narrative we read, Jesus didn't preach a word. <laughs> you know what the message of Jesus was? Come down. I'm going to spend some time with you. You know, I, I just believe, and I think we still believe in this. I believe the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work in salvation. I, I do. You know, I, 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 I preach and, you know, I work and I pray and, you know, I, I work on this. You may think, man, he, he works on this. I do, I work on this. But the truth is, it's the Spirit speaking in your heart and you're listening to the Spirit that makes the difference in a service like this. You know what makes a great worship service? People are listening to the Spirit and worshiping. It really has very little to do with music as far as I'm concerned. It has to do with people that are willing just to worship. You know what makes a good response time? People just listening to the Spirit. You know what makes you effective when God takes you out? people listening to the Spirit. Stand with me, if you will. Well, actually, you remain seated. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love that. That's what Mike Dennis always says. If you, like, if you don't like organized church, come to ours. We're as disorganized as it gets. I'm going to ask you just to take a couple minutes and let God speak to you about who, who might be in your life. Uh, I don't know. But I think if you listen to God, if you pay attention to your circumstances, God will speak. Who's the Zacchaeus in your life uh, that God's calling you to invite in? And then Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer.